Welcome to Grief Recovery Now podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Gorzella, your grief recovery specialist. This podcast is being produced just for you, someone who has been challenged and heartbroken over a significant and devastating loss, death, divorce, sudden life change, or the many other ways we experience grief. You will be taken on a conversational journey with me and some special guests who have come out the other side of grief and committed to small, powerful, and courageous steps that made all the difference in their lives for the better. I want to instill in you on what is possible, that joy, hope, peace, and happiness is closer than you think. While your life is forever changed, you can have a beautiful new outlook on your relationships and loss with a sense of completion that goes deep in your soul. Ready, set, now. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Charlene Gorzella here, your host for Grief Recovery Now podcast. So happy you're here today. I am so thrilled of our guest today and so happy you joined us today. It's really different. And I, I caught him on social media. And after I talk a little bit about what's going on in the world today, at least through Charlene Gorzella's view, uh, I will introduce them and I hope you enjoy them as much as I have. We've had a lot of upheaval going on in the world, a lot of change, rearranging, losses, gains. And I've been thinking lately during this last year and the upheaval that's going on, especially just the election just happened. And I was talking to someone and they told me that when an election happens, especially as big as the presidential, is that 40 some odd percent of the people will be grieving because their candidate didn't win. And so I think about those people and knowing that is a big loss. There's a lot of grief that is going on because of, you know, people put their hearts and soul into their candidate, into their belief systems. And I just want to honor anyone whose candidate did not win in this election. Of course, there was many losses, many gains or wins, if you want to call it that. I have my own beliefs about things, but being a grief recovery specialist, I try to stay very neutral. As I tell my boyfriend, I'm Switzerland when I am working. I was thinking about that. And then recently, there is a lot of you know, fringe groups, like they talk about QAnon. And I just saw a article on QAnon that all the things that the leaders have been talking about didn't come to pass, like all the indictments that were going to go on in on the election day in the inauguration, all the things that they believe were going to happen, the insurrection and everything that's happening. And so there's some discontent there and people feel very defeated. And the leaders of QAnon told them that go home, go live your lives and sort of dropped it like a hot potato. And I know there's more fractions of that going on, but my heart goes out to people who really believe in something. And then they find out some of it, what they thought is not true. And so that brings up grief. It's like, especially a a belief system that is shattered. And I'm not saying everybody's like that, but for me, when I read the article, I had some compassion for people who all of a sudden find out their belief systems are really being challenged. That is part of grief work. Grief work is just not about losing someone you love. It's about a sudden change of beliefs, a sudden, I would say, a trauma about your life. Someone can find out their father isn't their father or mother isn't their mother. I'm adopted. The parents hasn't told me till I'm 30 years old. 
Grief comes when there's sudden change in your life. And I think about all the changes. I was talking to someone who I really care about and they're in the in-between in work. And he was telling me that he was grieving his past work that is not available right now. And people who are in the in-between, especially through all of this, there's a lot of reflection that is going on and, and inner work about what is my next steps in life? So what am I going to do? And they're in the, I don't know. And he had told me that he was grieving his work, even though he'd like to go on to another line of work or, you know, something new in his life with a new sense of purpose. There is a grief when you let go of something that you've done for years and years. So the listeners who are out there, please know, just honor it. Um, An in-between sometimes can come because of something, a significant change or a significant loss. So be gentle with yourself. I also believe when one door closes, another one opens, but it's hell in the hallway. And take time to grieve whatever that loss is. And so that's my thought for today. And thank you so much again for being on the show, wherever you are in the world, wherever you are in the grief process. Welcome. This is a come as you are podcast and so glad you're here today. So let me get going on our guest today. Corey Dembeck, a local travel journalist, created the Telephone of the Wind and placed it in the park in November of 2020. The idea came from a podcast he heard about a disconnected rotary telephone installed almost a decade ago in Saatchi, Japan. That telephone of the wind was placed on a hilltop near the Pacific Ocean in 2011. Shortly after a massive earthquake struck and the ensuing tsunami washed tens and thousands of people out to sea, presumed dead. As residents grieved for those they had lost, Mourners would line up by the hundreds to speak into the phone to their missing loved ones. They spoke to them about both meaningful and mundane matters, life ambitions, updates on the schoolwork of sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters, news of engagements and weddings. This November, Dembeck had recently lost his grandfather and both his parents over a short period of time. Then he learned of the sudden tragic death of a friend's four-year-old daughter, Joelle Sylvester, to whom the telephone of the wind is dedicated. That spurred him into action. And here we go. Welcome, Corey. Also, I also want to say Corey is married to Heather, and they have three kids, Cohen, Lennon, and Sloan. He served in the U.S. Army as a photojournalist. He graduated from the University of Washington with an accounting degree. He worked for several CPA firms before moving back to publishing, then leaving to start the travel blog website, So Journalist. Corey enjoys spending time with his family, playing guitar and photography, especially landscape and astrophotography. Welcome, Corey. So glad you're here today. Thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate it all. It's kind of uh, been a whirlwind experience this last few weeks. Oh, I bet. Uh, what happened? Well, the read how I found you, Corey, which is so great. One thing I love about social media is I get all these articles and I just get immersed in them. And I all of a sudden came across in the Seattle Refined about an old phone placed in an Olympia park is a tool for grieving hope. I was like, oh, my God, it was a beautiful picture of a rotary phone on a tree. And I was compelled. I had sent myself a note to remind me to read it. And then my 
social media assistant coordinator, she sent me the article a few days later. And so I really looked at it and I go, I have got to get in touch with Corey. So again, thank you so much for answering my out of the blue Facebook message. No, it's fine. Matt did an amazing job on that article. I, uh, like when we, we met over coffee, uh, like as I think in late November and he mentioned, Hey, I kind of want to write a story on that. Cause I mentioned it in passing. Oh, I did this. Try to like help this family out. And he goes, I, I want to write an article about that. I don't know if anyone will publish it. And then Seattle Refined said yes. And then waited for a few weeks for them to run it. And then he told me it's up. And then like a few hours later, my wife was like, Oh my God, have you seen how many shares this thing has had? And then we just kind of watched it like spin further and further like every time we refreshed it, it was hundreds of more shares and and then yeah the news channels started contacting me and i was just like i never it's interesting watching something go um viral especially something that you did it's kind of a unique experience to live through did this just shock you because something to go viral you never know when it's gonna happen yes yeah, so i talked to matt in in november and I mentioned that we were having coffee and I mentioned that I, I made this phone because we were talking about like these pilgrimage things where people travel to various locations or like, like Nirvana fans come up here to visit Nirvana locations or, or Twilight fans will come up here to visit, you know, the scenes where they cities and areas they shot Twilight in and how these pilgrimages have become part of life. And I was like, oh yeah, I kind of made like this thing the telephone of the wind thing and he goes you did what like and he was like can i write an article about that and so did we honestly didn't really weren't even sure that it was going to get published and then one day he texted me and said that you know seattle refine published it it's up and then my wife and i went and read the article um he did he wrote an amazing article and then we just started looking at the shares like every time we refreshed it it was just more and more and more and i was i was shocked i i i knew that like my idea would some people would find it like appealing and some people would find it helpful, but I didn't grasp how many people would find it useful or appealing or helpful. And, and that's been sort of uplifting in some ways, but in some ways it's been like astonishing. I mean, I don't, I don't know who read it really. It's been, been kind of a whirlwind. Oh, I bet. And what do you think, can you tell me a little bit about your background? Um, at the beginning of the podcast, I thought I talked about changes, being in the in-between, Really quickly, can you talk about, like, you were an accountant at a CPA firm. In Where were you living? And then you went to Seattle. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so my life has been, uh, I was a military brat. I I grew up moving all over the country. And then I joined the military where I, you know, I served twice overseas. I was, I mean, I moved every six months to a year to have another duty station. And then I got out. And I feel like my life has been like one series of massive life change after another. When I met my wife, we decided I was going to go back to school. I decided to go the opposite way and I majored in accounting because I figured uh, if uh, English was going to be a huge struggle, then math surely wouldn't. I worked for small, large CPA firms, Bellevue, Seattle, Tacoma, Houston, Texas, and then uh, one day a recruiter contacted me and he goes, hey, I noticed that you have uh, journalism in your background. Uh, this magazine publisher is looking for a CFO. Um, and I think your resume 
you know, perfect for it. So I got excited about it. I was like, yeah, I want to go back and, you know, see the business side of the, of the magazine and publishing world. And I did, and I learned an immense amount. And then I decided that I was going to leave that and start my own deal. And then you decided to. Oh yeah. So then I, I built like a whole social media blog site. Like I have 30 different writers from around the world who write articles and submit them. And then I learned, I had to relearn how to take photos because I had forgotten over the years and I've gotten really good really quickly. That's awesome. You kept showing up and now the telephone in the wind, can you talk a little bit on the losses that you had? You lost your, and then was it your biological father? Uh, Biological father. uh, I think the hardest loss I had was, was my mom. That was back in 2014. Uh, she was dealing with painkiller and, and drug abuse. The doctors were prescribing her morphine and she was just addicted. And we couldn't get her off of it. And we, I mean, all the warning signs were there and we tried. And it sucked kind of watching my mom, who was this you know, brilliant, like sharp-witted, like intelligent woman, just sort of like degrade over the years until like something that she wasn't. And when she died, you know, I had my, just had my first kid and then I had two daughters after she passed. So it feels like something that she waited for her whole life as she's now missing out on because of that. And then biological father died and he and I never got really close. Uh, I didn't meet him until I was in my thirties and then it wasn't something that, uh, um, I understood why he wasn't around, but, uh, it's just something that I never really with, but the fact that both he and my mom passed away uh, at an early age, and then, and then my grandfather passed away in November, and he just kind of, you know, he was he was old, and uh, he dealt with cancer and, and all sorts of other things for years, and it was kind of unfortunate for my grandmother, who uh, didn't get to be by his bedside after 60 years of marriage, too, to be there when he passed away. It was, I mean, I was sort of taken from her by COVID. And then Joelle, that I think that was my breaking point, waking up and seeing my friend say that her four-year-old daughter had just died. And like two weeks before, you know, they were spinning around dressed like Elsa and I don't know, with my daughter and, and, and playing. I, I think it all just sort of like, I mean, that, that broke me. It was just, I, at that moment, I was like, I went to the telephone up and I don't think my wife or anyone else who was in my house at the time knew what the hell I was doing or why I was doing it. I just, it was just a gut reaction of something that I, I had to do right then and there. Now it exists, I guess, because of that. The telephone in the wind. It was sort of like a gift from the universe for you. All of a sudden, that, some, that spark, that's why you don't have to, to me, it's, living life, if you're so in the head trying to figure something out, you're not going to figure it out necessarily. But like when you listen to your heart, I mean, I don't think your intellect, I'm sure it has a little to do with it. But once that the telephone into wind came up, you followed something, some innate intuition that I think is part of our heart. Can you talk about that? I know they weren't quite sure what you were doing. And what was the, you saw an article and can you tell us a little, get a little bit more specific on that? I was listening to a bunch of podcasts and This American Life had a podcast uh, about, I think it had to do with grieving or losing something. They talked about the phone and I just remember thinking, man, I could really use something like that to talk to my mom. And I wish that was in America. 
but uh, I didn't really have like the drive or the impetus to like make it happen. I just thought that'd be a great thing to have in the States. And then, and maybe I, I heard it again because sometimes when we go out into the mountains, like my wife and kids, we go out a lot. We'll listen to podcasts. Maybe I, I, I maybe we had played it and that was one that came up like a few weeks before. But uh, when I got the news of Joel, like that was like, this would be perfect for her. And so I put it up and sort of kind of coalesced from there. So what was the breakdown? Well, you ordered a phone, the rotary phone. It was how much? I think, did you say 500? No, no. I, I went down the street to, and downtown Olympia, there's a bunch of craft stores, not craft stores, uh, antique stores and things like that. And I just started going through them one by one. And I found uh, one, one of them had a rotary phone. And so I... I, I bought it, which was, it was surprisingly expensive. It was like 60 bucks or something. And I told the lady what I was doing and she, she marked it down to like 30. And then I, I went home and we had bought like a sheet of plywood because my wife is like working on restoring some like old furniture. And I cut it in half and then mounted the phone to the plywood and took a piece of uh, plexiglass kind of stuff. And then I printed up the image with the card and then basically snuck out to hang it up in Priest Point Park, which probably wasn't the ideal thing. Like I, everyone was like, we love the idea, but should have asked. And I knew that if I'd asked, people would have said no. So I figured uh, better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And then I forgot about it. I, oh, I didn't forget about it. I just, I, I ignored that it existed until I told Matt. And then he wrote the article and it kind of blew up. And you had to climb up. Oh, a little bit. Was it hard to get up there? Like it's in the midst sort of out there, right? It's actually pretty easy to get to. It's oh, just, it is? Oh. Like, like you could, if you had, if you were in a wheelchair, like you could get to where the phone is. It's just, it's like in the back corner of the city park that is, that just isn't often visited. And then they have like a main groomed trail that people are supposed to walk on. But then they have like these side trails that kind of branch off. For some reason, I thought like nobody's going to come to this trail. And when you go there, it is like hundreds of ferns and these massive trees with moss growing down the side. And today I was there and there was like this like mist fog filling the forest. So it's an old growth forest too, or mid growth forest. So it's everything has been there for hundreds of years and it's old and it's covered in moss and it's temperate rainforest and i thought it was just like a perfect place to stick the phone and they discovered it i think in december and they thought well let's keep it up and maybe something we'll we'll figure it out after christmas and then after christmas is when viral and now they're like well i guess we're living it up and so uh the city council uh emailed me to let me know that it was going to stay but uh, we're going to work to make it a little bit more permanent, covered, sheltered, hygienic, and um, and things like that. So we're going to build an actual phone booth amongst a few that I'm going to spread throughout the Pacific Northwest to to basically let people have an outlet to go talk to their loved ones that you know they didn't get to say their final words or last goodbyes or just anything they want to tell them about. Oh, that's beautiful. And then you have the support, of course, of them. And then when we talked before this podcast a few days ago. I asked you, because you had avoided the phone after you put it up, correct? Even if you went to the park, you did not necessarily go there. You're going through your own grief process. And I said, can you go to the phone before our podcast today? Can you tell me your experience when you went there? Before I, after I hung it up, the park is, is double-sided. There's a like a main road that kind of cuts right through the middle of it. 
And one side is on the waterfront. It's where everyone tends to go. There's playgrounds and picnic areas. And the other side is a little bit like older and smaller and mostly kind of, there's not a lot back there. So people don't typically go back there. And so I've been there probably a dozen times since I put the phone up each time. There's like a, on that main road, there's like a center divider that you can't turn into the right way. So instead of turning into the side that I had the phone on, I would drive a mile or two further down the road, do a U-turn, come back and go on the side that I didn't have the phone. I was I was basically avoiding getting anywhere near it. As ridiculous as I felt the first time picking it up, it did have like an effect on me, like using it for the first time. And then I used it today. How was the first time? Can you say your experience the first time? The first time I, I hung it up and then I kind of uh, looked at it for a little bit and I was like, you know, well, I should use it. Because one, I, I need to, and then two, like this is what it's there for. And then I actually, and I also thought, like, because I was going to write a blog, I would actually record it. So I did record it and put it on YouTube, so I could post to the blog to kind of show people what to do. So I, I picked up the phone, and then you know, dial the rotary part, and then just dial the random number. And then, and, you know, at first you feel a little ridiculous. I'm on a rotary phone in the middle of the woods. And it just, the whole thing seems a little bit like goofy, I guess. But then as soon as I started talking to my mom, like, and started telling her, like, hey, mom, like, miss you. Cohen is growing up. He's such a good kid. And I have two daughters now, too. And you would find them absolutely hilarious. And then it just, it just made sense. Like, I just, I started crying and, and struggling to, you know, get through sense. And then I hung it up. And then I, I didn't go back until people asked me to uh, show back up for interviews and things to cover the story so so how was today i think you went today can you talk about your experience and i know it was cut short because there was people there who wanted to get in there's apparently been lines forming outside of it every day so i i showed up and i was the only one in the area because there's only a few handful of parking spaces in that immediate area and so i walked to it i picked up the phone and then i started I started off and I just started kind of giving my mom updates on um, things that we've been up to, things my kids are doing. I hope she sees some of it, which is, I mean, it's just kind of weird too. because I, I'm not a religious person. I'm mostly like agnostic or atheist. Uh, after she died, I always thought like, man, it would be so much easier to have like faith because at least then you, you, you believe that there's someplace else. And I just, I didn't have that belief. So even as like an agnostic talking into the phone, it was just like an immense weight gets lifted off your shoulder. Like you feel better verbalizing some of the things that you couldn't verbalize to your wife or your loved ones or your you know siblings. And I think it's, it's been helpful for me. That's great. That's very intimate. And then you had people there. What type of people were there? Like old, young? I have run into so many people going there. Like today it was like, a woman and her husband, I I hung up the phone and I kind of looked up and I had my camera gear set up and I saw them kind of standing across this like fern covered opening in the woods. And I I was like, come on, if you're waiting for the phone, I'll, I'll move out of your way. And they're like, thank you. Is it over there? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then uh, they were like, this is such a cool idea. I was like, thanks. I hung it up. And then they were like, oh, thank you. We're coming to talk to my, my brother or my grandfather. And then I met some old women the other night there because I, I went there to talk to um, the local NPR affiliate. I saw them driving past my car holding a map. That was clearly the park with a big red X on top of uh, where the phone was. And so I was like, 
would you like help finding the phone? And so I helped them and they were there with their church's uh, grief group looking for the phone so that they could bring their church's members to the park. And yeah, the, the response has been uh, incredible. And I'm building a phone booth probably this weekend to put into put someplace in Oregon to this guy whose wife died of breast cancer this year. Um, uh, so he'll have some place to talk to her on one of their favorite hikes. So it's been an interesting sort of experience, I guess. And I, I'm glad I can I can help a little little ways like this. You know, it's just I think the world needs needs something nice to look forward to uh, or to be involved in, you know. Yeah. And and you know what? You were picked somehow something went through you to take action on this. And it must feel like you wanted to be of service to your friend and their daughter that passed. And then you, you know, started the process, raised a little bit of money. And then it helped you in the long run, or it's helping you in your grief recovery process. And how do you think this has helped with the losses you've had with your mom and Joel and your, your father, and then, you know, the other losses you've had. Sometimes I believe that we have filters that filter certain things in your life. Do you feel some of the grief and you haven't used the phone enough, but do you think it will help you open you up in ways that maybe you needed in your grief recovery? Like maybe some of the unresolved issues you may have and you want resolved, you know, conversations you had, conversations you didn't have, things you did, things you didn't do, and maybe a sense of incompletion and you want to sort of complete in because your mother... She probably lost her twice. One, the loss of herself, not the intelligent, bright woman you knew, lost in addiction of morphine and whatever it is. And then the final physical death. Do you think that is going to help you somehow free you a little bit and lift some of the heaviness you may be going through? I think it would help. You know, I think it might help open me up a little bit more and be a little bit more um, forthcoming with my feelings. And maybe that'll be a little bit more productive instead of just burying it in, you know, deep inside. Like, I mean, we used to joke in the army that like feelings are like pirate's treasure. Everybody likes them better when they're buried. <laughs> and so I uh, maybe it's not the uh, ideal way to live life. That's a belief system that, you know, through the race consciousness of the military, and then it stuck or it was happening before too. So it was... My whole family was a military family. And uh, yeah, I'm like the first person in my family, first male in my family did not serve 20 years in the military. So I guess, yeah, it kind of has that uh, that generational sort of um, shared trauma experience. I don't know what we call it. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I, you are breaking a pattern and I have to tell you, you have said yes to something that I think is so powerful being a grief recovery specialist that I am just so touched by it. And I would love to help you with this and even put up my own. I mean, I'm like, this could help so many people while I do my work and my groups and my one-on-ones. This could be so such a beautiful thing to happen all over the United States, all over the world. I thank Japan for starting it. What a weird timing. They do it before the tsunami. And oh my God, I love your mission. And I don't, you know, I still want to keep in touch with you because there's something here that I just think is so beautiful. So to, you know, I just want to thank you for being on the show today. And I want to hear what happens in the future and update our, our listeners here. Cause I think what you're doing is so powerful. So thank you. Yeah. I'll, I'll, as we get more up, I'll take photos and video and send it to you guys. 
keep you updated on uh, things. But no, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, great. Well, your lucky family, they're seeing you like just opening your heart more and more. And I just love it. Ugh, I'm so happy I get to share this with the world. And again, thank you so much, Corey. I honor you and your family support and, you know, just know I'm rooting for you in all of this. So I'm going to explore a little more. I'm going to I'm glad I'm part of it just through our humble podcast here. And thank you again. Thanks, Shirley. And I appreciate it. And uh, good luck to you too. I, uh, I'll keep listening and, and, uh, and learn more as I go. That sounds uh, great. Okay, everybody. We're on all the podcast platforms. Love all you beautiful people and listeners. Please share the podcast. This is a grief recovery now movement. There is a way to get to the other side of grief. Not, not to grieve because we will always remember and experience our in our memories, the love we've had with people or even not so much love. There's all kinds of different ways to grieve. And one thing about this telephone, it's private. So it's very intimate. So you can say whatever you want, because I know how vulnerable it could be. The things we didn't say, the things we said, the things we did, the things we didn't do. This is the stuff when you talk on the phone or even share it with others or write. So more tips to come as we go forward in this um, Brief Recovery Now podcast. So peace, love, harmony. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining our Grief Recovery Now journey. Like what you heard? It would be the biggest compliment to our mission if you would please subscribe, rate, and review Grief Recovery Now on Apple Podcasts. And we'll keep you posted on our next podcast. If you don't have Apple, we are also on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Also, please join our private Facebook group, Grief Recovery Now. And if you are in need of any personal attention, please contact me with the link on this podcast page, which is griefrecoverymethod.com forward slash GRMS forward slash Charlene dash Gorzella. It would be an honor to hear from you.